Warning, some viewers may find the following episode disturbing. Viewer discretion is advised. I live in the great state of Texas, in a house on a street with only one floor. My name is Jose Escamilla. I am 29 years old. I believe in taking care of my podcast with a balance between using useless knowledge of movies, TV shows, and music, along with a vigorous recording routine. In the morning, if my mood is a little somber, I put a little coffee in my mug while I practice my impressions of random characters of fiction or people in my life. I can do a thousand now. There is an idea of a Jose Escamilla, some kind of sporadic distraction, but there is no real me, only an entity, something delusional. And though I can hide my random outbursts and probable mental illness, and you can listen to my show and maybe even sense that our interests are comparable, I am simply not there. I'm actually really fucking proud of that intro there. Uh, so if you don't, if you haven't picked up what that is from in immediately, uh, that is from one of the intro scenes of the movie American Psycho, uh, which is actually one of my favorite movies, uh, not just horror movies, but one movie that it's kind of sad because of how fucked up the movie is, but it's almost like a comfort movie for me. I'll go a month or two and I'm like, you know, I haven't watched American Psycho in a while. Boom, put it on. And I just found out uh, a couple nights ago that HBO Max took it off. And so I was watching it. I was going to watch it the night before I started recording and just to kind of brush up and see if there's any small things that I could pull from it to be like, oh yeah, hey, that's a, that's a good talking point. And when I looked on HBO Max, it was gone. It wasn't on there anymore. And so I had like this quick little mini freak out in my mind, but, and I could pull this right from the movie and relief washed over me in an awesome wave. Uh, that was when I found it on, on Hulu. And so I was like immediately relieved and I was like, Oh my God, thank God. I mean, I have it on DVD, but it's like, I can't tell you the last time I put a DVD in my PlayStation. I don't have a DVD player. That means my PlayStation's always been my DVD player. But now that, you know, everything, I have so many, dig I have digital copies of everything. And I still have a, uh, a physical movie collection, but I just can't tell you the last time that I got up and put a disc in. And, and that's, cr that's crazy, isn't it? Like, just imagine how lazy we've gotten. Like, everything is a push of a button on the remote. Like, I mean, you don't even have to, you don't even have to do anything other than press the Netflix button on your remote to go to Netflix. And now... So many platforms have gotten popular that they have their own buttons on remotes. Like, I feel like they're going to remove the numbers one day and just have there's an HBO button, there's a Peacock button, Netflix, Hulu button. It's crazy how much, you know, entertainment and television itself has evolved. Uh, but that damn coffee is good. I had to use my French press this morning because uh, I got my wife some uh, Mother's Day flowers, and I, for some reason, we don't have a vase, and I've been making my coffee in a uh, pour or, pour over style, and so since I couldn't find a vase, but I already was home with the flowers, and I was not going back to fight that crowd, I just kind of used my uh, little pour over uh, glass thing uh, as her as the vase for her flowers. So just call me the husband of the year, you know. Uh, hopefully, I don't. She didn't act like she minded. So I'm hoping that's the truth. Uh, but to me, that's a skill and a plus for me because that's thinking on my feet. That's, that's using my old noodle up there, uh, in my opinion. 
But let's get down to the topic of today's episode, which is the 2000 horror movie, American Psycho. Like I said earlier, uh, this movie needs no further introduction. Uh, Very cult-like following. Um, It's definitely an acquired taste, uh, like black coffee, in my opinion. Uh, The first time I watched it, I was more... I was more confused than anything and was like, what, what the fuck did I just watch? What am I watching? And then when it was over, I was like, what did I just watch? And then for some reason, it just, it hooked me and I watched it again. And the more I watch it, the more I watch it, the more I'm like, it's actually pretty fucking good. I actually really enjoy this. So maybe I've tricked myself into liking it. Maybe I actually do like it. Who knows? It's crazy. I'm, I'm crazy. It's right up the, it's right up my alley. Uh, but let's get down into it, guys. We're going to talk about this movie. Uh, the meaning, because the meaning is not, it, it's not clear at all. The And the point of the movie really isn't that clear. Uh, and I think you can, if you watch it, you can draw your own opinion of what actually happened and what the point of this movie is. But that's what we're going to do today, guys. We're going to get what my, what I think the point of this movie is and what I think actually happened there at the end of the movie, because it's not very clear there at the end. It's up to, it's open to a lot of interpretation of how this movie ends and what happens. So let's get into it. Let's kind of mindfuck ourselves in this episode. And if you've never seen American Psycho, I'm hoping my goal is today, after to after you listen to this pod, that you will go check it out. Because it's actually, I think it's worth a sit down and a watch and a watch through and I'd love to hear your feedback on the movie and of course this episode. Welcome back everybody to another episode of All Screws Loose Thoughts Unhinged. This is going to be uh, an episode that I've been planning on doing for weeks. Uh, and I'm not going to lie to you, I've kind of contemplated not doing it just because of how graphic and gory it is. But then I realized one thing that it just kept coming back to me and I kept thinking of was, this is my fucking show. It's no one else's. And it's something I like and it's definitely worth a conversation about. So I'm going to go ahead and do it. Uh, if you haven't, if you didn't listen to the intro, there is... Uh, I did put a warning uh, because some of this stuff is really graphic. It is really... It's it's pretty fucked up, honestly, is the best way I can describe it, this movie. And at the end of the day, that's all you have to take away from it is it's just a movie. I don't think we need to dig any deeper than talk about what we what we like about the movie, what's funny about the movie, what some of the point points are. Uh, and let's not uh, let's not uh, dig too deep into Oh well, obviously someone likes this movie. There, they must be this and that. It's it's just a it's just a movie. But switching gears for just a second, I want to take this time to thank you guys again. Do my weekly thanks to you guys, my uh, my loyal my loyal audience. Uh, however big or small you are, uh, I definitely appreciate you you guys who are tuning in and listening to these uh, to these weekly episodes. Uh, and I appreciate uh, the folks who are uh, who are responding on Spotify. I've uh, just published another another response to another response on the uh, Chris Cornell pod. Um, so I appreciate you guys uh, enjoying enjoying this and and kind of engaging and entering the conversation about it. 
And like always, if you have any questions, hit up that section, ask away. I'd love to be able to answer any questions here on the uh, on the next pod that comes out and uh, kind of have like a, a little discussion about it, even though it won't be technically in real time, <laughs> since it'll kind of be like sending letters, you know? I could be your pin pal who's locked up in this mental cage up here. But now back to the topic today, American Psycho. So this movie, this movie's been out now for, this year will be 23 years. Um, now, luckily, I didn't watch this at release because at six years old, I don't, I definitely don't recommend anyone at six years old watching this movie. Um, I think I was, I, th- I was probably 20 when I watched this movie for the first time. And I gotta admit, I really didn't know much about it. Uh, I don't even think I remember anything, anyone talking about it prior to me watching it. I just... It was on Netflix at the time, and uh, I just remember scrolling through Netflix one day where I was trying to find something to watch, and I thought it was going to be, I thought it was going to be like the movie Psycho, and so I was like, you know what, yeah, let's let's watch it, I've, it should be interesting, and then I just, I remember watching it as the movie went on, thinking like, okay, when is this going to be like Psycho, I mean, I get there's killing and murdering, but... But I was waiting for, you know, like, a, there's a young boy, and he's got this, you know, parent-like figure that's feeding him bullshit and causes him to start killing and all that. But it never went that direction, which, and I'm kind of glad it didn't. Um, but I was, uh, um, like I said earlier, uh, during the first part of the show, I was I was pretty confused as to where the direction and what the point of this movie is. And depending on on, you know, what's going on and when I'm watching it, you know, I still get a little confused about what the point of the movie is because I feel like I've watched it probably, you know, a hundred times at least. And I've had a couple different ideas of what the point of the movie is. And then especially the ending, I've had a couple different opinions on what I think the ending means. Uh, so I think that's one of the strong points that this movie has. And what makes it so popular is it's real open-ended and it leaves up for viewers interpretation. Um, kind of gives you the opportunity to kind of finish the book, I guess, if that's, maybe that's not the most accurate way to explain it, but sometimes it just feels like uh, the filmmaker left it open for you to write the final pages of Patrick Bateman's story. So that's it. The the movie stars uh, Christian Bale, and he portrays the main character, the, I would say, the protagonist and antagonist of the movie, 27-year-old Patrick Bateman, who is a New York, a, a New York, a New York investment banker uh, by day and by night, he is a psychotic serial killer. So the movie was based on the 1991 novel by Brett Easton Ellis, uh, same name. The novel is American Psycho, which I do own and I have read, and as messed up and gory and just psychotic as the the movie is. Uh, you know what they say, the book is always better. The book is completely, I would say, tenfold of how gory, messed up, uh, psychotic as the uh, as the movie is. And we'll get to some of the some of the differences of that that happen that occur in the book versus the movie. Um, but for the most part, the movie does a good job of following the the book story. But as every movie. Uh, every movie that's based off of, of some kind of book, you know, there are some differences and you've got to adjust 
to go from the print to the screen. Um, but I think that this movie does a really good job of really uh, respecting the template that was in the book and staying true to that. And it still gets from, I think, the same point A to the same point B. But at its core, this movie, it sheds light on 1980s materialism, corporate greed. Uh, and it what it does, it does a good job of, if you want to exemplify those things and kind of put a magnifying glass on those, it doesn't just portray acts of corporate greed like, like it, and for instance, Patrick works in mergers and acquisitions for uh, Pierce and Pierce on Wall Street. It doesn't show just his how his daily activities um how he maybe could screw someone over for his own financial gain no it, it mirrors that behavior by showing his violence his aggression and his sadistic pretty much his sadistic personality and that's supposed to be a direct reflection of people's behavior and greed on wall street and really throughout throughout the world uh, during this during this 1980s time period. And, and if you want to explain, you know, 1980s consumerism, this movie does, uh, really shows that. And the book does, the book shows it even more. Uh, so, you know, Patrick, he wears a suit and, you know, he wears a suit and tie for work because uh, he's an executive. But if you watch the movie and if you're familiar with it, you know, if he sees another guy on the street, he's like, oh, He's wearing an Armani tie and he's wearing a Valentino Couture suit uh, that was made, blah, blah, blah. And he's got a pension for all over people's glasses, which is exactly what happens. And it shows you just how much, not just the people in the movie, not just the characters, but at the time and, you know, in the 80s and even still today, really how, just how consumer eccentric people are. Uh, how everyone's trying to keep up with the Joneses, how everyone's trying to one-up everyone in style and fashion and, and with materials. You know, that's what's important to these people uh, is I dress better, I look better, I make more money, I have a nicer apartment. And and this movie does a really good job putting the magnifying glass right on those issues and brings them right up for the right up to the surface uh, for your observations. And the movie starts off immediately talking about uh, it immediately sheds light on that so the movie starts patrick is with his uh is with his three best friends which i don't know if they by my standards if they'd be best friends or not uh, it doesn't seem like either cares too too much about the other but regardless he's with his three good friends his main friends uh david van patten craig mcdermott and timothy bryce and in the movie and in the book, really, he out of those three, he really gravitates towards Timothy more. Um, but regardless, when you watch the movie, if he's with a group, this is usually who he's with. Uh, but it starts off there in a restaurant, and they're talk. You know, the first thing that they're talking about is you know how they hate this restaurant because it's a chick's restaurant, is how they explain it, and and this is we immediately get introduced to what I think could actually be the the main antagonist of the movie, uh, the illustrious restaurant Dorcia. Uh, so uh, Timothy Bryce asks, you know, why aren't we at Dorcia? <laughs> and McDermott says, well, it's because Patrick won't give the maitre d' head. Uh, but so as the movie develops, you find that this, that this restaurant Dorcia is so... 
I don't know what makes it so great, but you can't get a reservation there. And it seems like only the best of the best and the people who matter uh, are are getting reservations to this place. And so many times throughout the movie, Patrick tries to get, get into Dorcia or he tries to brag that he can get there, but he can't. And so it's almost like a lot of people who follow the movie like to like to make the joke that oh well Dorcia the restaurant Dorcia is actually the main villain of the movie it's what drives Patrick insane uh, but so anyways they're at dinner at this restaurant and you know they're they're talking about hey is that is that so and so is that Reed Robinson is that Paul Allen over there you know they're they're trying I don't know it's just crazy it's like you go to a restaurant and you're like oh I'm in the same restaurant as so and so I must be doing good or why is he sitting with those with those guys, you know, fuck those guys. Those guys are losers. And that's how it's just like a bunch of like shitty high school bullies sitting with each other. Um, but one of the fucking crazy things to me is so they get the bill, right? And Timothy Bryce is like, speaking of reasonable, only five seventy five. Five hundred and seventy five dollars for fucking dinner? You kidding reasonable? <laughs> I'd be losing my mind. I feel like Mr. Krabs from SpongeBob when he's like uh, when the waiter brings him his bill, he's like here you go, sir. This is your bill. And he's like, this can't possibly be correct because it's like $1,000 or something. And the waiter's like, ah, thank you for pointing that out, sir. Here is your bill. And then it goes to $10,000. That's If I had a $575 tab, that's that's how I'd feel. But I guess split between the four of them, really, that probably brings it to around, what, $150 a piece? Which I guess, if you're working on Wall Street, that's probably pretty reasonable, I guess. So maybe Timothy was right. Maybe that is a reasonable price for dinner every night. So then as the story is going to progress, um, what's happening is, so Patrick has two, he lives two lives, right? We know he's the investment banker by day and he's got to keep up that persona. He's got to do all the things that a normal person uh, that would appear on. He's got to appear like the normal Wall Street person, right? Um, live that, that luxurious lifestyle, uh, have, have a girlfriend who actually has a fiance and we'll kind of get to Evelyn here in a minute. Um, he's got to keep that entire persona up. He's got to do certain things to make sure that he, that he doesn't draw too much attention to himself. Basically, like he says, to fit in. But then he's got this other personality, his psychotic, sadistic, serial killer, uh, persona who, probably who he really probably is and it's not what's never discussed in the movie is the origins of this of this behavior what caused it and how long he's been engaging in this behavior but by the time the movie starts is when he's starting to when he's starting to uh, struggle with drawing the line between the two personalities Uh, and as he talks about he's in he's in this he goes to this spa and he's getting uh think he's getting a pedicure he gets a facial mask a massage all this fancy shit um but he's he's narrating and he and patrick narrates a lot of the movie too uh he's talking about how he feels that his mask of sanity is about to slip uh and that something's happening to him because his bloodlust his nightly bloodlust is now bleeding over into his days and he feels that he's on the verge of snapping and just going off on a frenzy and not being able to control uh, his outbursts or uh, or his impulses, which in reality he's not that good at controlling them, anyways. 
But as the movie progresses, we kind of find that, you know, everyone is so caught up in their own fucking self, their own materialism. They're so affluent that they they literally can see what Patrick is doing. They could probably find out what he's doing and they could not be bothered any less um, because it doesn't affect them. It's not who gives a shit. Okay, you know, we're still rich. We can still make money. you know, it's just like, it's just like, look, overlook the behavior. You know, it's nothing of major concern to me. Why should I give a shit? He's not killing me. I think one of, uh, one of the, uh, one of the good indicators of this from the movie is the scene after, and I'm not going to tell you who he kills yet because I, I kind of want to build into that, kind of kind of go chronologically in the kill count. Um, but Patrick, you know, he, he kills someone in his apartment and, he puts them in this it's not a it's not a body bag it's like this uh uh over it's oh it's an overnight handbag as lewis carruthers explains it and i'll talk i'll tell you here in just a second who lewis is uh so patrick he kills someone in his apartment and with an axe and i guess he dismembers them and he puts them in this bag and i'm going to dismember the person who just drove by my house again with that loud ass truck uh, as always, you know, uh, but he puts him in the bag and he's hauling it downstairs. He's just dragging it from through the elevator all the way down to the lobby. And he's leaving a trail of blood. Uh, and the nightman, the night watchman who's in charge of security, there's no doubt he, he I think it even shows that he looks at the blood and he just looks at his paper. He goes back to reading his newspaper. He's like, gives a shit. So Patrick stops it. He hails a cab and he's. Uh, he's trying to put the bag, the bleeding bag, into the trunk of a taxi, and Lewis Carruthers walks by. And Lewis, as Patrick explains to him, as Patrick explains him earlier in the movie, Lewis is the biggest doofus in the business. And Patrick's actually dating; he's having an affair with Lewis's fiance. And remember, so Lewis, Lewis is engaged to Courtney, who. Patrick is dating and having an affair with while Patrick is engaged to Evelyn who's played by Reese Witherspoon. But all Lewis can all Lewis can muster up is where did you get that overnight handbag? He's so infatuated with how fancy and how nice it is. You know, forget the fact that there's a bleeding it's it, you know there's blood coming out of it and there's a dismembered body in there. <laughs> and all Pat, Patrick doesn't even look at him. He just says John Paul Gaultier. And then he leaves. He, he shuts the truck and gets in the cab and goes to dispose of the body. And I kind of want to go back to uh, go back to the book for a second. You know, while the murders in the movie are gory, of course, if you want something that's going to be able to be on DVD and be in theaters, obviously you can't show, you know, the axe hits to the face to the body, whatever, you know, which is great. I really don't want to see that anyway. Uh, but in the book, uh, the book just it just disgustingly describes all these acts of violence and it takes it to a whole new level where you know if you read the book you kind of think like someone wrote this someone thought this out and wrote this like is the are you okay is the author a a serial killer himself you know is there something going on in his head is should we be worried because it's it's that gruesome and that 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 gory um and I think Brett, I think uh, the author did get a lot of, I mean, yeah, he got a lot of flack for it because 
people still claim, you know, the book of the movie reek of, of uh, toxic masculinity. It degrades women. It promotes violence, sex, uh, you know, all that. And like to me, like I said, it, I don't take it more than it's just a movie. Um, that that's where I leave it. Um, and I, I don't I don't promote any of anything that hurts people, but it's it's just a fucking movie. You know, just kind of get out, get the fuck over it for a little bit. Um, but anyways, so yeah, the book, the book details things very gruesomely. Uh, and in one part of the book, Patrick's at a restaurant with, uh, with another couple. And I think, I don't know if he's there with Evelyn or if he's with Courtney or another girl, whatever, but he's with, uh, he's definitely there on a double date with another couple that he knows. And in the middle of the conversation, he zones out and he tells the lady that he would, instead of talking to her, he would rather... And this is straight from the book. He says he would rather titty fuck her and then cut her arms off. Like, what the what the shit? How do you? That is insane. And I'm kind of glad that didn't make it to the movie. I don't I don't see how any production company would pick that up, obviously. But but that's how gruesome and how and just how I don't know how else to explain this book and this story. I guess that just tells us how how doomed our society is because this it still has this big cult following um like i said it's not not the most mainstream thing but uh it's definitely got enough attention i mean there's a band that me and danny saw open up for metallic in vegas last year called ice nine kills and i thought they put on a pretty good show but they have uh they have a song called hip to be scared uh which and they put out a lot of a lot of their songs are based on horror movies and this movie actually is completely based on american psycho and uh imagine being the author of the book and then the person who directed the movie which i think it's a it, it is a woman a woman to direct this movie which is kind of crazy with the whole toxic masculinity thing that's around it um but that that has to feel good, you know. If a band puts out a song about your movie or your story, you know, like you have to at least find, hey, at least I put something out there that people like. You know, it might be uh, it might be a weird crowd that likes it, but nonetheless, some some group likes it. Uh, but then, then actually, on Facebook, there's this group that I'm a part of called uh, it's called American Psycho Dorsia posting. So it's just a bunch of like shitty uh, memes that are somehow related to the movie. Uh, but I think it has it has like over twenty thousand members actually I think. Uh, so if you're a fan of American Psycho, and you're on Facebook and you just like to shit post memes like I do or keep a uh, an unlimited arsenal of memes in your phone, uh, check out Dorsia posting on Facebook. So American Psycho Dorsia posting, some of the most random off the wall stuff I've seen. Uh, I laugh at a lot of it. Some of it I'm like what 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 the hell, uh, but it does crack me up and it's crazy. That just shows the community that this that this movie has, and as we've as we are already know, I'm a huge music person. I love music, and this movie is another one that has not only an awesome soundtrack, but it, the way it uses music uh, to incorporate itself into the story. So multiple times, will Patrick lure these people back to his apartment and play music and explain? So he'll. He'll put a he'll put a band or a group or a singer on the radio, and he's like, "Do you like you know?" In this case, do you like Huey Lewis in the news? 
and he plays the song. He kind of explains to them, you know, the origins, the development of the band, and somehow that leads to him killing them. <laughs> and we'll get to that when we talk about uh, one of the one of the main uh, killings in the movie. So as the story progresses, uh, Pat, we find that Patrick develops this infatuation, this jealousy, and envious hatred towards Jared Leto's character, uh, Paul Allen. Uh, so Paul, he's a, first he works at Pierce and Pierce with uh, with Patrick and all of his buddies McDermott, Bryce, and Van Patten. Um, but he's he's the guy. He's the it guy. He's the guy that's hot shit. He's handling the Fisher account, uh, and he Patrick has to bring that up every time that he's talking about or talking to Paul Allen. You know, hey, is Paul still handling the Fisher account, or Paul, you're how did you get the Fisher account? Are you still handling? You know. Uh, apparently it's one of the most illustrious accounts that you can handle and it pays significantly better than whatever Patrick's doing and so he it, he creates this this obsession with Paul and because he's so jealous of him he wants you know he's upset that Patrick or that uh, Paul has a nicer apartment that he does and in one in particular the business card scene uh, and you know, some of the people that like the movie that I know, I mean, we always quote uh, the business card scene so many times. So they're in this board meeting at Pearson Pierce. Paul walks in. Everyone knows who he is. He doesn't have to introduce himself. And here's another here's another hint at just how affluent everyone is and how everyone can't be bothered. You know, no one knows who each other is and no one really knows who Patrick really is. They know of Patrick Bateman, but they confuse him with so many other people. So... Paul comes in and he's like, hey, Marcus, how's it going? And, you know, Patrick starts narrating how Paul has mistaken him for this dickhead Marcus Halberstram. And he goes into this damn monologue of how they get the same haircut from the same barber, how they have, wear the same glasses, the same suits, and blah, blah, blah. More affluent shit, more materialism, more consumerism. Uh, so the conversation starts and, you know, Paul ends up leaving his uh, his business card with one of them, and he does it in this. Just he gives him this card. He brings it out of his of his breast pocket. And he's like, "Call me," and he hands him his business card, <laughs> like he's the hottest shit. Like he just handed him a ten thousand dollar bill. I don't know. Um, so after Paul leaves, which before he leaves, he they ask him, well, "How about Friday? How about we hang out Friday?" No can do. I gotta eat thirty res of Dorsia, which probably just pisses Patrick off. <laughs> and that's what they. That's after he leaves. That's what they're talking about. Uh, talking about him by his back. It's like eat thirty at Dorsia. How the fuck did he manage that? So they, uh, you know, McDermott, Van Patten, uh, and Bryce uh, are all sitting down and uh, in the same spot of, of the boardroom. And Lewis Carruthers, who just kind of hangs out with them, but they don't fucking like him. They're all in the same spot. And Patrick pulls out his business card, you know, and he he has this fancy, like, metallic case, and he opens it, and Bryce looks at him, he's like, is that a gram? <laughs> Are we going to do coke right in the middle of, of work? Um, and, you know, Patrick's like, no, it's a new card. And so at this point, the movie does such a good job. It, it focuses on the cards, you know, the voices are slowed, and it has this, it just creates this, this focus on how, hey, my card is so much better than yours. It's got this and that. So he puts his card down and he's like, and he, 
and he's trying to brag on just how good his business card looks. And once they start comparing business cards, here's one thing that I've noticed. They all look the same. They're all white cards. They all say the same thing. The only thing different is the names. They're all vice president of mergers of acquisitions. They all work for Pierce and Pierce. They have the same phone number on them. They're all blank white with gold coloring. And it's just like, I don't know. To me, it doesn't. I don't see how your card can totally stand out that much different from another card. But anyways, Patrick puts his down and they're like, oh, that's nice coloring. And Patrick looks at him, he's like, that's bone. But it's just white. <laughs> every color, every card is just another shade of white. And if you just look at it, it's, it's the same. To me, it's the same shade. So then each of them pulls out their business card. And they're going on about, oh, well, this one, uh, this one has this font. And it's this, the lettering, the gold lettering is this, this way. And Patrick thinks he has the best card. And as they go on, Van Patten pulls his out, and Bryce prefers... (laughs) This is what makes Patrick so bad in the movie. He's like, I can't believe Bryce prefers Van Patten's card to mine. And then Bryce pulls out his card, and by this time, Patrick is so upset. He's sweating. He's mad that Van Patten has a better card than him, and now Timothy Bryce has a better card than him. So all Patrick can do is (laughs) kind of lightly say, let's see Paul Allen's card. And so Bryce, Bryce pulls out Paul's card and Patrick just, he grabs it and he starts shaking and Lewis is like, are you okay? You're sweating. And if you watch it, if you, if you, if you're familiar with this scene, uh, you know, Patrick's like, oh my God, it even has a watermark. And he's like on the verge of hyperventilating over a fucking business card. So that just once again proves how affluent, how materialistic these people are in this movie and you would think it was the end of the world because someone had a business card better than theirs and so at my old job we all had business cards and one of my co-workers Eddie who I love and uh, we used to work to, we worked together for a few years there uh, once I got business cards there that's what we would do he one of the first things he did when he came to see my business cards he goes he picked it up he goes oh my god it even has a watermark <laughs> So anyways, that's what starts this whole, it doesn't start, but this is where we start getting this, this sense that Patrick is obsessed with Paul and he's obsessed with trying to be better than him. And he's jealous that Paul seems to be ahead of him in every aspect right now. So one thing that I think that that scene, which we've already talked about too, but this, that this scene uh, shows is that Everyone, even though everyone seems to know each other, no one knows each other's names. Like, imagine going up to your friend and being so non-concerned with them. You're like, hey, Phil, how's it going, man? What's going on? Wow. And then you guys have a full conversation, but his name's not Phil. His name is Bob. And he's talking to you, and he's like, hey, Joey. Your name's not Joey. Your name's Chris or something. And so no one can, no one can be bothered enough to know each other's names in this movie. And then not only that, it's like, Everyone who's got girlfriends or fiancés, everyone's still having an affair with their buddy's girlfriend or something like it's It's weird, you know? Uh, like, as Patrick is having an affair on Evelyn with, with Lewis's fiancé, Courtney, he talks about how his friend Bryce is probably having an affair with Evelyn. And to me, I'm just like, how, how do you keep up with all this shit? I guess that's why you don't know each other's names. There's too much to keep up with. 
But so let's kind of let's dive a little bit deeper into this uh, infatuation with Paul Allen. So, you know, time goes on and the, he goes to uh, Patrick goes to a Christmas party that's hosted by Evelyn, his fiance, and Paul Allen's there. So he goes up to Paul and he's like, "Hey, we need to do dinner." And so Paul's like, "Let's all right, yeah, Marcus, let's do it." And so they set up. Uh, Patrick sets up reservations at. Uh, at a restaurant called Texarkana, and Paul's upset because it's it's dead. It's not popular enough. Why am I, Paul Allen, going to be seen in a restaurant or not seen in a restaurant that's busy, that's popular? And what's one of the first things he tells Patrick as he sits down is, well, we should have gone to Dorcia. I could have gotten us a table. Patrick, irritated as fuck, just brushes it off and says, nah, nobody goes there. It's not popular anymore. And uh, so he gets he gets Paul drunk. And uh, he ends up luring him back to his apartment. And this is where the whole music thing comes in. And uh, so Paul, Al- you know, Jared Leto's pretty much wasted sitting on uh, sitting on his cha- sitting on a chair in his living room. And by this time, Patrick already knew it. You know, before the before the dinner took place, Patrick knew what he was going to do. All of his furniture's covered. He's got his floor covered in newspaper. And that's what uh, Paul asks him. He's like, hey, man, why are there uh, copies of the style section all over? Do you have a little dog or something? And uh, anyways, so Patrick uh, picks up a copy of uh, Huey Lewis in the News, uh, their album four. And he asks him, and this is kind of an iconic meme, too. And you've probably you may have seen it, too. You know, he's like, you like Huey Lewis in the News? And he goes on to explain, you know, Huey Lewis, how he became a fan and how, you know, in the beginning of the band's origins, you know, it was too uh, new wave for his taste. Uh, but then he talks about how, you know, in 83, when they released the album Sports, you know, they, they really come into their own. It's actually taking a lot out of me right now to not quote the entire fucking scene. Uh, <laughs> and so he puts on he puts on four and the song he puts it on his radio, his uh, stereo system. And it's so crazy because in the book, when he explains his stereo system he talks about how it's the newest version his speakers are from this part of the world they cost this much and it's better than this model and i'm just like how do you know all this much information about this materialistic shit um anyway so he puts on he he plays the album and the song that comes on is hip to be square and as patrick explains it you know he's like I think their undisputed masterpiece is Hip to be Square, a song so catchy that people don't really pay attention to its, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so Paul is just, is like, what is kind of, he's so drunk, but he's just like, what, what's going on? So while this is going on, the confusion that Paul's having, Paul, uh, Patrick goes to the bathroom, puts on a raincoat, and grabs an axe. And while Paul's turning his back, uh, while Paul has his back turned to Patrick, by the time he turns around, Patrick's already giving this description of the song's meaning. And then he turns and he's like, hey, Paul. And when he turns around, he's swinging an axe at him. <laughs> and he whacks him. As Patrick talks about, he whacks him in the fucking head. And then he just goes ape shit and just whacks him. I guess dismembers him. But of course, here we go. Back to that, this is why I'm saying the antagonist of this movie is the damn restaurant, Dorcia. Because what does he say while he's whacking away at him with an axe? 
Try getting a reservation at Dorsia now, you stupid fucking bastard. <laughs> uh, so that's kind of the premise of the of the uh, music in this movie. He, any, it's like any time he's going to commit any kind of violence, maybe not kill someone, but at least be violent. He puts on music for these people and explains what the song meaning is, the origins of this person, and everything. There's another part when he, so Patrick goes and picks up this prostitute and he tells her, you know, come back to my apartment and you're, I'm going to call you Christy. And then while, uh, while they're going back to his apartment, he orders an escort. And so in his apartment now he has Christy and the, he calls the escort Sabrina. And so they're just kind of all awkwardly sitting in his living room and he's asking them, don't you want to know what I do? And they're like, no, we don't, we don't care. And, uh, he's kind of pissed off that they, they could give two shits about him and what he does. Um, and they both know what they're there for, you know, they're there for, for sex and they just kind of want to get it over with. So Patrick, what does he do? He talks about Phil Collins. He, he's like, you like Phil Collins? And then he starts talking about how Phil started off in Genesis and how he was probably the best member of the band. And then how he goes off on his own and how he's an artist. And so he puts on the song Susudio. <laughs> he talks about how it's a personal favorite of mine. So as he's telling them how, how much he loves the song, he's signaling them to come to the bedroom. And he's got a camera set up, and he's going. his plan is, you know, he's going to have sex with these two, and he's going to record it. And as the scene, as that scene progresses, you know, he's, you know, he's having, he's having sex with these two. But all he's doing in the middle of this is looking at the mirror, flexing his muscles, and just admiring how good he looks. Like, <laughs> it's, it's just like, how, how self-centered can you be? And just imagine being one of the girls looking like... Who the fuck does this guy think he is? Uh, but anyways, so, you know, it ends, you know, they, they're finished. And before they can leave, you know, they're like, are we done? Can we go now? And he's like, no, we're not finished. And it doesn't show him do it, but it shows as they leave, he, he beats the shit out of them. And then gives them their money and leaves. And so I guess that's his calling card for violence and murder is... I'm going to play you music and make you feel comfortable. I'm going to, and then I'm going to either kill you or I'm going to beat the shit out of you. So earlier we talked about how he put a, he dismembered a body with the ax and then put it in a bag, you know, that fancy handbag, overnight handbag and drug it through the lobby of his apartment building. Well, the body was Paul Allen's bodies, right? So that's, and you know, he's dragging it around. He's getting blood everywhere, but all his friend Lewis can be, concerned with is oh my god where did you get that bag just i don't know i hope to never be as materialistic as these people or sadistic or violent like that you know i'd like to have that dog in me but uh maybe not that kind of dog so paul's not the first murder to happen in this movie i know i said we'd go kind of chronologically but i just think i had to tell paul the story of paul allen and and that murder but just to kind of just to kind of explain, you know, the situation and and where Patrick is at and why he does what he does, uh, but but uh, the murder of Paul Allen is not the first one we see. Uh, the first one we see on screen is when Patrick uh, kills a homeless man. Uh, so he's walking in an alley and it's dark, it's night, and he passes a homeless man named Al, and 
so in the book, when when Patrick and all his friends see homeless men, they're always degrading them. You know, they'll put a, a dollar bill out, and right before that homeless person can reach it and grab it, they take it away from him. Um, and so the movie doesn't really do that. Now, he kind of degrades Al, but nothing like the book does. So he asks him, you know, what's your name? He tells him it's Al. And, and Al's sitting there with his with his dog, right? And Patrick tells him, you know, why don't you get a goddamn job, Al? Don't you smell like shit, blah, blah, blah. And then he apologizes and said, okay, Al, I'm sorry. And he reaches into his briefcase and Al thinks he's going to give him money or food. And he's like, oh, thank you, mister. You are so kind. You're a kind man. And Patrick, the next thing he says to him, he's like, do you know what a fucking loser you are? And takes out a knife and stabs him to death. And... And then the camera kind of zooms out and you can't see it at all. You can always like see like it's really zoomed out. You can just see like kind of the body moving. But he ends up uh, stomping the dog to death, which I'm glad that we didn't really see that. And we just kind of heard it. I don't I don't really want to hear a dog dying. But for the movie, you know, for the movie purpose, I know it's just a movie. Uh, so it didn't bother me too much. Uh, but in the book, uh, I really hate the explanation of, you know, not only when he stabs Al... You know, I mean, it talks, the book shows or explains that he stabs him and he stabs him in the face and his eye and it's, it's gruesome as shit, man. But the worst, as, as bad as that is, the worst description is of when he stomps the dog to death. Oh, that's actually kind of hard to get through when you're reading it. And, um, I guess that's how messed up I am that I've read the book and got all the way through it. Um, but fortunately the movie doesn't go into detail like the book does about this murder. Uh, but so that's the first one that we see, and that's kind of Patrick still hadn't really lost, uh, hasn't really uh, lost the battle yet to where his two personas are bleeding into each other because this happens, you know, at night, and he's able to control himself during the day. But as the story progresses, um, he starts committing these murders that we don't see, uh, like. Uh, he kills uh, a couple models and a couple other girls and he stores them at random places. And actually, he kills these two girls and he stores two of the bodies. He stores the bodies at Paul Allen's apartment because after he kills Paul, when he loads them up into the uh, into that bag, he uh, breaks into or he uses Paul's key to go into Paul's apartment. He takes clothes and puts them, packs them up and uh, he is going to make it seem like Paul went on vacation or took a trip. Yeah, took a trip to London, right? And so he leaves a new message on his on his machine. You know, if someone calls, they could leave a message. Well, they'll hear, you know, Paul saying, uh, you know, I went off to London, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so he just kind of used, so as he discards the body, he continues to use Paul Allen's apartment as a place to store the bodies. Uh, and he actually uh, brings two women back, which one of them, and we'll get into in a minute, but he brings Christy back, but instead of bringing her to his apartment, he brings her and another girl to uh, Paul Allen's apartment and says it's his. And we'll get into why that's kind of funny and how that pisses him off again. Uh but some of these off-screen murders, right, so he kills one of them, and I guess she bleeds all over his sheets, right? He gets her blood all over his sheets. So he takes them to these uh, 
to this laundromat that's owned by a Korean a Korean couple and they're refusing to take his sheets because they're not going to wash the blood off right and the lady's cursing him and and yelling at him but she's she's speaking Korean uh, and he can't understand her and he's telling her uh, once again caught up in his materialism he's telling her I, I can only get these sheets in Santa Fe you cannot put bleach on these why can't you just fucking wash them blah 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 and so as they're arguing, he looks at her and he gets in her face. He's like, if you don't shut up, I will fucking kill you. <laughs> and as he's yelling at her, this this lady walks in. She's like, oh, Patrick, is that you? And he's like, hi. And he can't remember her name. So he just says, hi, you. And uh, so she's telling and so she's telling him, like, hey, we should get together. And he's then he's like, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. And he doesn't want to. So he's. He's running off. He's like, hey, I've got to run. Can you get these people to uh, wash these sheets? And uh, and he's like, uh, you know what? I'll call you. So Patrick ends up, uh, he ends up going to pick up that pro that same prostitute again, Christy. Of course, she doesn't want to go with him because, you know, the last time she went with him, you know, he beat the shit out of her. But, you know, money talks. He's able to lure her back into his limo and then... They go back to his apartment or to Paul Allen's apartment, but he tells her this is his new apartment. And when he brings her there, he also has his ex-girlfriend Elizabeth there too. And so once again, they're all kind of awkwardly sitting in the living area of the apartment. And Christy to Christy <laughs> looks at Patrick and says, This place is a lot nicer than your last apartment, which now we already know, you know, how caught up he is and wanting to be better than Paul Allen, and now she's telling him that Paul has, basically, Paul has a nicer apartment than he does. <laughs> and he, he tells her, it's not that nice, Christy. And one thing we didn't talk about, so when Paul, after he quote-unquote kills Paul and goes back to his apartment to, you know, pack all his luggage, he walks in and he's like, uh, I have a mini freakout when I realize that his apartment overlooks the, the, the overlooks Central Park and is obviously a lot more expensive than mine. It just shows you how sad he really is. Could you imagine being that caught up with materialism? Uh, but anyways, so it's the same story that happens again. You know, what does he do? He lures these people. He drugs them by uh, mixing some kind of pill. I don't know if it's a it's it's a, a halogen. Uh, with their wine and makes makes the two girls drink the wine. I'm gonna make these fuckers on the highway drink this wine, same wine. Uh, but anyways, so he drugs them, uh, and then he tells the two, you know, hey, I just want to see you two get it on. And so, what does he do while that's going on? He puts on music, uh, specifically he puts on a Whitney Houston album and talks about how. Uh, one of the songs from her debut album, you know, is so meaningful. It talks about monogamy. It talks about looking at, uh, taking a look at your inner self and trying to make a change, which is kind of ironic for Patrick being such a sadistic, psychopathic killer that he is and being so self-centered. Um, it's amazing that he knows the meanings of these songs and is so passionate about them. Uh, so what does he do again? He takes them to the bedroom, ends up having sex with them. But while he's 
I guess, focused on Elizabeth, Christy sneaks out of the bed and she's starting to get her clothes on and is going to leave because she's like, I want no part of this. I don't want to have my ass beat again. Well, Patrick ends up stabbing Elizabeth while he's under the blankets with her and she sees this. She hears the screams and she sees the blood uh, start uh, bleeding through the sheets and, bl and, and blankets. And so she runs, starts to run away. And as she's going through the apartment trying to get out, she comes across you know, the dead bodies that he's already got, uh, in the house. And so, uh, Patrick starts chasing her with a chainsaw and she gets out of the apartment and she's, she gets to the stairwell and <laughs> all the while she's running around, Patrick is chasing her through the hallways and the stairwell, butt naked, but with, uh, with sneakers on and a chainsaw. <laughs> and, now that I've watched it several hundred times, I'm like, how that's not <laughs> it's not even scary. Like this psycho in, in sneakers is chasing me. Like to me, it's more of a it seems like stuff that I would see here in my hometown uh, at the local Walmart that I would in a horror flick. <laughs> um, but uh, this right at this moment is when I start to decide, OK, is all this happening or is this all in his head? Because as she's going down the stairs, he's at the top of the stairwell and he's circling, he's following her with the chainsaw and then he drops it and it just magically hits her in the side and it kills her, right? And he's screaming and, and I'm thinking, okay, she's going around, she's running and screaming throughout the halls of this apartment building. She's banging on some of the doors. No one's coming out. No one hears this psychotic naked man with a chainsaw running around and no one's come out to check. No cops are come out. No one's called the cops. So now you start to think like, huh, okay, what, what's going on here? How, how is this real? And I get it's a movie, but I think that's kind of the point. So this is the part of the movie when, when everything kind of comes to a peak between his life falling apart, he can't keep things straight. It's a mixture of his his self-identity crisis where he can't control his nightly psychotic killer uh, personality any longer. And so you have the struggle between to keep the two lives separate, the constant parting, his, his drug use, his coke use, and everything. Uh, everything starts to kind of run together. And not to mention that uh, Paul Allen's girlfriend or fiance, whoever it is, has hired a private investigator to investigate his disappearance. And so when the investigator shows up to interview Patrick and the investigator is uh, or de the, the detective is played by Willem Dafoe and it's played marvelously, marvelously by Willem Dafoe. Patrick is nervous. He can't. And all Kimball wants to know is, hey, I just need to know where you were during the night of Paul's disappearance. And Detective Kimball already has the information that Paul that uh, that uh, Patrick has an alibi. Pat he knows that Patrick was at dinner with with other people the night that Pat that uh, Paul disappeared. And once we find that out, that's when we just that's when we kind of start finding like, okay, but he killed Paul Allen, so how was he at dinner? So then you start to wonder, did he actually kill Paul Allen? What 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 happened? 
You know, how is it? How is that possible? How does he have an alibi if he killed Paul? So things are starting to move in a direction as there could be a separate world, a separate thing going on in his head. He may is Patrick actually doing all this, or is he is he so crazy he thinks he is? He wants to do all this, and in his head he's doing it, but he's not actually physically committing these. At this point, we don't know. So Patrick's life is falling apart due to all this going on. Being invested, thinking he's being investigated, uh, the drug addiction, uh, the self identity crisis. Uh, all this is is causing him to just spiral out of control, right? And so when he's about to lose control, he's he's at this lounge. I don't know where he's at. He might be at Harry. I don't know where he's at, but he's with uh, he's with Van Patten and McDermott, and they're having they're having whiskey and cigars, and they're talking about girls. And Patrick is talking about how you know how Ed Gein described women and Ed Gein, Ed Gein was a serial killer. The one who is loosely, uh, Leatherface is loosely based off of, uh, anyways. And so these guys are talking about women and, and Patrick says, well, this is what Ed Gein has to say. And he, all he has to say is <laughs> Ed, Ed is only concerned with what, what a woman's head would look like on a stick. And he thinks it's funny and he laughs and everyone's just kind of looking at him. Those two are looking at him like, Okay. So Patrick gets upset. He's like, I got to go to the bathroom. So he goes into the bathroom and guess who's at the urinal? Goofy Lewis Carruthers. And so Patrick starts to lose control. It's the middle of the day. He puts on his black, these black gloves, I'm sure. And in the book, I'm pretty sure he describes them as their designer, their Valentina Couture, their cost $300 per glove. And so as, as Lewis is using the urinal, Patrick puts on the gloves, goes up behind him, and is trying to strangle him. But he's struggling with his inner self so much that he puts his hands kind of relaxingly on Lewis's neck. Lewis feels it. And while he's peeing, he just turns around and looks at Patrick. And Patrick is just frozen. He's stuck. <laughs> and Lewis says, Patrick, what are you doing? Why here? <laughs> and at this point, Patrick is like... Uh, what 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 are you talking about? And Lewis, that's what Lewis tells him. He goes, "Oh, I've seen the way you look at me. I want you too." So at this point, Patrick is losing his absolute shit in his mind. He's like, "Oh my god, I thought I, I was gonna kill you, and then I thought I was caught, and now here you are, dick out at the urinal facing me, and you're telling me that you want me in a sexual way." And what the what what how did the fuck did we get to this point? And then. One thing that's always that's always fucking bothered me in this scene is Lewis it was pit was was peeing in the urinal right he turns around and he's explaining to Patrick I want your hot butt or whatever blah 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 that he puts his finger on Patrick's lips didn't wash his hands and he just was peeing two three seconds ago and it just that bugs the absolute shit out of me so Patrick is like oh he comes to finally and he's he walks away. And he goes to wash his hands, but he still has his gloves on. This is how this is this is how in crisis he is. He's washing his hands with his gloves still on. And Lewis is like, "Where are you going?" And Patrick's like, "All he can muster up is, I've got to return some videotapes, Lewis." <laughs> and so, as he's walking down the, as he finally gets out to the street and he's walking around, he's 
he's having this heavy, heavy identity crisis, and uh, he ends up having a, an anxiety attack, and he goes into a phone booth to call to his office and talks to uh, his secretary, Jean, but before he can get on the phone, he takes a handful of Valium and chews them up and eats them to try to calm down. So finally that night, Patrick, the scene cuts to him. He's at an ATM, and he's going to withdraw money. And he withdraws like five or like six, seven hundred dollars because it has like all these fifties and hundred dollar bills and takes it. Well, then the ATM tells him, feed me a stray cat. And there just happens to be a cat in front of the ATM and he tries to stick it in there. Some old lady catches him. He's like, what, what the hell are you doing? He pulls out a pistol, blaster, shoots her, and he ends up getting chased by cops. So he's running and these uh, two cop cars end up uh, pulling up behind him and you know they come out and they're like freeze get on the ground drop the weapon so Patrick starts shooting at them and remember he's shooting with a pistol right and what ends up happening he shoots one of the cops and then he keeps shooting and he hits the he keeps hitting the cars and then the cars blow up and here's kind of that what kind of a cool moment in the movie where you know he realizes I have a pistol how the how the hell did these cars just blow up so he he's He's, after he shoots the cars and they blow up, he looks at the pistol and he makes this most unbelievable face like, what the fuck? What just happened? And then he comes to again and he runs. He runs to his job because I guess he wasn't too far from uh, from where he works at Pierce and Pierce. And as he finally gets to his, uh, his office, probably on like the 80-somethingth floor or whatever, uh, he's in full freakout mode you know he's he's sweating he's just killed an old lady he's just killed three cops he's blown up two cop cars so he gets on the phone and he calls his attorney uh harold carnes and he tells him and he basically confesses to everything he's done you know i killed paul allen i killed this homeless fucker and his dog he's killed at least you know 30 or 40 people and he explains how he he recorded uh, most of it. He showed the recordings to some of the girls he's killed. And he's even tried to experiment and cook some of their brains and eat them. And he tells them, you know what? I just, I want to lay it out on the line. You're my lawyer. You need to know. And you know what? If you want to talk about it, I'll be at Harry's bar tomorrow. So keep your eyes open. And so finally, this is where we get to the end of the movie. And it's a bit anticlimactic so he he goes to Harry's and guess who's at Harry's McDermott and then Patton and Bryce so he sits down with them and then he sees Carnes his attorney who he was on the phone with so he goes up to him and he's like hey how's it going and uh, Carnes is looking at him like who the fuck are you <laughs> so he goes did you not get my message and then he's like oh that was you Davis Patrick's like what what Davis, he's like, no, I'm I'm Patrick Bateman, and so he's like, uh, you know, Carnes is still thinking he's Davis, and he's still thinking like, uh, man, that was a hilarious message you left on my machine, man. Like that's a funny joke, right? Pretending you're Patrick Bateman and killing Paul Allen and killing all the girls, you know, blah blah blah, hilarious. Now I've got to go, and he's like, no, no, man, I'm not, I'm not Davis, I'm Patrick Bateman, and at this point, you know, Carnes is his attorney's like, okay, okay, this shit's not funny anymore. And he's like, it's not possible that you did all this shit. And so Patrick's like, why not, you stupid bastard? <laughs> so 
then this is when we find out that, you know, Davis, or Davis, his attorney's like, it's not possible that you killed Paul because I just had dinner with him a few nights ago in London. And he's like, this isn't funny anymore. I've got to go. So now reality kind of sets. Patrick kind of, the camera pans in his face and he's like, oh. So then it comes out like, okay, maybe Paul Allen, what, I didn't kill him. And he just, he really did go to London. And so now you find out that, okay, everything was in his head. It, it's, it's a, it appears that everything only occurred in his head. Right? And in, and in scenes before this, too, I think this is before he freaks out, before, you know, he goes and tries to kill Lewis, too. After he killed, the night after he kills Christy and Elizabeth in Paul's apartment, he goes back there the next day to try to clean up. And what's happening is there's an open house in that apartment. And there's a, a realtor lady, and she's like, she sees him, and she goes, is this, are you my two o'clock? No, this it's not a police scene or anything. It's not, uh, you know, there's no forensics. It's 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 as if no murders even occurred here. And he's like, what happened here? And she's like, what are you talking about? And he asked her, isn't, isn't this Paul Allen's place? And she's like, she's freaked out. She's like, I think you should just go. So now that tells us those murders didn't happen here. Did Paul Allen even live here? Blah, blah, blah. So now we fast forward to that final scene when they're at Harry's bar and his attorney tells him, you didn't kill Paul Allen. I was just at dinner with him in London. Everything kind of starts, you start doubting everything that happened. Like, did any of this actually happen? And, you know, Pat, the movie ends with, you know, Patrick talking about how he gains no deeper knowledge of himself. Uh, he wishes, he doesn't wish for anything better in the world. He wants people to feel his pain and that this confession, meaning that uh, the confession to his attorney, Harold, over the phone has meant nothing. And that's how the movie, that's how the movie ends. And so it's left up into interpretation. Did Patrick do any of this? Did he, did he kill Paul Allen? To me, to me, uh, nothing suggests that he did. If, if people in, in their life just ate dinner with Paul, Paul's still alive. He wasn't killed. Now, did Patrick do some of this? Did he kill a couple of the earlier girls in the movie? Did he kill the homeless man? He may have. But now it's it's interpreted. It's up to our interpretation, the watcher, the viewer, uh, what actually happened. What uh, What's truth and what's fiction? Was it all in his head? Was a portion of it in his head? Uh, you know? Interesting. And it's just so, it's such a mind fuck to go through the entire process, the entire movie, and then to be hit with such an anticlimactic ending, which, in my opinion, I don't know, I, I really, I, when I first watched the movie, I was like, what the fuck? What, what did I just, did I just waste an hour and a half? Did any of this happen? But now I'm like, okay, I like this because it gives me the opportunity to, to make my own ending as to what happened. Uh, so that's kind of my the briefest way I can run down the entire movie. Uh, and I hope I did a good job of going through that movie. And I don't know. Well, I do know. I do know that I, I like the movie. Um, like I said, I, for some reason, it's like a comfort movie. I can watch, I'll watch it just randomly on a random 
Saturday night or whatever. Uh, I think Christian Bale does a good job of playing the the uh, sig- quote unquote, the Sigma male and uh, the heartless uh, Patrick Bateman. And one of the things that just makes me it cracks me up about this movie is how self centered everybody is, and how material like as I've said it this entire episode, how materialistic everyone is, how unbothered they can be if it doesn't involve them. Uh, just kind of uh, it's kind of it kind of sheds light on you know what's important really like it, do we really need to be as materialistic as as we are sometimes, but. If you've seen American Psycho, if you've seen it all the way through, I'd love to know what you think about it. What's what is your interpretation of what the ending is? How, what do you what do you think actually happened? What do you think the point and the meaning of the entire movie is? Because in my opinion, I just I don't really know if I can pinpoint the exact meaning of the movie other than just to show how insanely greedy and self-centered people in this line of work and in this time period were you know in the 1980s when everything you know the economy I guess is booming on Wall Street and how no one is concerned with anything else but making their checkbook bigger and keeping up with the Joneses and making sure that my suit is better than Paul Allen's suit I don't know I'd love to hear those of you who've actually seen the movie what do you think about it what's the point and what do you think about the ending and do you think Patrick even did any of these any of these murders. So once again, everyone, thank you for making it all the way through another episode of All Screws Loose. Um, I'm hoping that I found some people here that have seen this movie, and I'm hoping that after this, you've you will at least give this movie a try. Uh, I think it's definitely worth sitting down. Uh, not a movie that I would sit down with mom and dad to watch. Uh, maybe if you're going on a first date with someone, I wouldn't. I don't know if I'd show this to them, uh, but definitely uh, give this movie a watch if you haven't already. Especially if you're a, a horror fan, like I kind of discussed earlier. To me, it doesn't fit the full horror genre, but definitely uh, with the gore and the violence, you can see how it's put in there. But if you're a fan of horror movies, I think you'll also uh, be a fan of this movie. And if you usually are into cult classics like I am, definitely I think this is a movie that if you haven't seen already, you will add to your collection for sure, or uh, at least add it to your regular rotation of movies that you watch. So guys, thanks again for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed it today. I hope you guys are continuing to enjoy everything that you that you're listening to. Uh, before I wrap up the de- uh, the show today, um, as always, I want to take time to thank you guys for your continued support and thank you guys who are continuing to interact with the Facebook page and all the stuff on Spotify, uh, the polls and uh, and the Q&As. Um, I really appreciate the support, guys. Uh, and if you haven't already, uh, whatever platform you're listening to on, if you're enjoying the show, please go and uh, consider giving it a five-star rating. Uh, right now, we still have... Uh, We've got about nine five-star ratings on Apple, on Apple Podcasts. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify, if you enjoy what you're listening to, just, you know, consider giving it a five-star rating, guys. And uh, I just appreciate you guys helping me continue to reach an audience uh, with this podcast. You know, like I've said before, you know, the highlight of my week is really when, uh, when I get to sit down and 
put all my thoughts that I have on paper, uh, put it onto, put it onto this, uh, to this platform and, and uh, put it into an episode and you guys can really get a glimpse of all the random thoughts and shit that goes through my head. Um, but I thank you guys for being here this week. Hope you guys had fun. I uh, look forward to seeing hearing from you guys and definitely coming across uh, coming across your ears again next Monday. Uh, as always, guys, thanks for listening and I'll see y'all next week.